I want to throw up Psalm 92 here uh, for you. Uh, Psalm 92 reads, It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to, his, to the Most High. It's good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-string instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you've done for me. I sing for joy because of what you've done. Uh, it's Thanksgiving time. We all know that, right? Um, some of you already have things going on in the kitchen. You've been preparing. You've been shopping. You've been doing all that stuff. And so Thanksgiving is, is right around the corner. And I, and I read a psalm like this. And we've been prepping in our house too. And I, and I read this and I think, yes, this is good, right? It's good for us to sing praises to the Lord. It's good for us to give thanks. It's good for us to sing about all the things that God's done for us. And I, and I love this aspect of, of praise. But what about when singing praise or giving thanks, what about when it's not easy for us? And giving thanks is, is the last thing that we feel like doing. What, what about when it's, not, when it's not easy, it's the last thing that we want to do? Like, like we want to stop and we want to say thank you, we want to give, give praise, but for whatever reason, the thing that's going on in our life, it, it just seems like it, we can't even formulate the words on our lips. Every time we sit down to pray or we sit down to think about this and we say, God, thank God, thank. I want to say thank you. I want to give praise, but there's too many circumstances that are going on in my life right now that's making it really difficult for me, and I can't even get the words out on my lips. When, uh, when I was in second grade, uh, around Thanksgiving time, I was sitting in a classroom at school, Huntington Elementary School, and the principal came into the class, and, and, and he pulled uh, my teacher off to the side, and he began to, to whisper to her, and, and I could see that they, they, were, they were looking at me. And I was like, oh, man. Like, like, you've been there too, right? Like, I, I started thinking through, like, what on earth is it that I could have done that the principal would come out of his office to come and get me sitting here in the classroom? And I start going through all these, you know, you know how you start pulling up all these things. And then uh, the teacher comes over uh, to my desk, and uh, she whispers into my ear, and she says, hey, would you follow me to the office? And I, I said, Okay. And, and, I'm, and I'm going like down the hallway, I'm going down to the office, and I'm really, I'm just thinking, God, what, what, what on earth could I have done that, that was going to get me in enough trouble to have to go to the office right now? And for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything at the moment. Now, there are times where I get in trouble, but at this moment, I, I couldn't think of anything. And I get to the office, and, uh, and, and I see my mom uh, standing there in the office, and that wasn't a common thing for us to see. Like, she, she didn't come to the office, we rode the bus home and that sort of a deal. And, um, and I look at her, and my, even, even right now, I can remember my, my, my second grade self could notice that there was something going on, um, that she had been crying. You know, the, her, eyes were, her eyes were red, and she just didn't look like uh, her, herself. What I didn't know at the time was that she had just been notified that our home um, had uh, caught on fire, and everything had burned down. Everything. Now, just to be clear... Like, we didn't have a ton of stuff, okay? Like, uh, there, it's not like we were burning down a mansion and, and just, you know, everything. We didn't, we didn't have a ton. But everything that we did have was absolutely, uh, it, it was gone. And so when you bump into a Thanksgiving holiday like that, and there literally there, there's, doesn't seem to be anything that you can give thanks because everything that you have is gone, or it feels like everything that, that could bring praise, or it could bring hope, it could bring happiness into your life. How, how do you enter into Thanksgiving when, when everything is, is gone? What do you do? 
And here's, I think there's a reality that we've got to understand when it comes around Thanksgiving time. The reality is that Thanksgiving doesn't always mean happy, okay? Thanksgiving doesn't mean happy, and you you don't always have to be happy in order to be able to be full of thanks. Those two can be mutually exclusive from one another. Oftentimes, they go together. But you don't have to, uh, like at Thanksgiving time, doesn't have to be um, a, a place where you feel happy. Um, the truth is sometimes we don't feel like being thankful at all because the Thanksgiving that we're in, it doesn't come out easily. It doesn't come out with a, a shout of praise. Sometimes our Thanksgiving at best can come out with a, a cry. It comes out through lips that don't want to praise. And yet, whenever we read through the scriptures, we, we find out that this is something that we're called to. We're called to be people who give thanks. We're called to be people who in all circumstances, whether it's something that we feel like or not, we're, we're called to give thanks. The, the reality is the story of our faith, um, it hasn't been an easy one from, from the very beginning uh, of Christianity, right? Or very beginning of God working with his people. From the time that God called his people out of Egypt, there's always been this mixture of, of turmoil and triumph. Blessing and and burden, heartache and and hope, tears and thanksgiving that gets mixed in the middle of it. Scripture's never tried to to hide or deny the fact that there are these extreme ups and downs when it comes to our faith. Somewhere in the middle of those ups and downs, though, there's this thread that God has called for his people to give thanks to him in all circumstances, which I know sometimes is hard for us to do. You look at the story of Israel coming out of Egypt, right? In Egypt, uh, there was this great enthusiasm that gets mixed at the same time with this reluctance to believe that anything in their life could be different than what had been up to this point. Because up to this point, it had been years upon years, century after century, of just being stuck in slavery and in chains. And yet God sends this man named Moses along to lead them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And against what felt like their better judgment at the time, they allowed themselves to begin to become hopeful. They allowed themselves to begin to become happy and think about the day when they're no longer going to be in chains, where they're no longer going to be making mud bricks for a slave master, and hope was on the horizon. Like they were being filled with hope. And so in their excitement, they began to make their way out of Egypt. Hope is rising. It's on the horizon. But then all of a sudden, Pharaoh and his army come out of nowhere. Right? They start breathing down their neck. They're right there up against them. And so now they've got their backs against the Red Sea, and they're looking at Pharaoh who's coming in hot. And for them, they are thinking, man, like Moses, what are you doing? Like, are you kidding me? Why did you bring us out here? It would have been better for us just to stay where we were than to come out here and die. At least there we were still alive. We didn't like what we were doing. We were stuck in slavery. But at least there we had our life. And everything inside of them feels like they're about to be slaughtered. And if they don't get killed, they, they just know in the back of their mind they're heading back to slavery, heading back to chains. And so they're in despair. There's nothing in their mind that they could even possibly think about giving thanks for. And then all of a sudden, when they can't possibly see any other way around what's going on, God opens up the Red Sea in this miraculous move that only he could do, and they end up walking across on dry ground. And so when they get to the other side, a side that they never thought that they would see, right? Their back's against the Red Sea. They're staring at Pharaoh. They're, there wasn't a thought in their mind that they could ever get to the other side, that they could ever get out of this turmoil and pain. But when they get to the other side and they're looking at the waters coming crashing in on Pharaoh's army, 
There's something that begins to change inside of them. When they get to the other side, do you know what they do? They wipe away the tears from their eyes. The despair begins to move, and Moses leads them in a song of thanksgiving. And the people begin to praise God. When you you read um, about a guy named Job, Job, he loses everything, right? I mean, he loses everything. His livestock is taken away from him. It's killed. His servants are killed. His children, they all die. And his wife, in the midst of all this, she's even kind of losing respect for her husband. She says, hey, why don't you just curse God and die? Are you going to still hold on to this God who has led you into the middle of this? Is this the God you want to serve? She says, why don't you just curse God and die? Just get this whole thing over with. Curse him and get it over with. And I don't know how you'd handle a scenario like that. But I'm I'm guessing if something like that were to happen to me, where I just lost everything, I'd probably be bitter. I'd probably be a little bit angry. And it'd probably be a little bit before my theology actually caught up with me to remind me who I am, whose I belong to, and who, who God is. But Job, listen to what he says in, in chapter 1, verse 21. He says, the, the Lord gives and he takes away. He says, naked I came from the womb. Naked I'm going to return. The Lord has chosen to give to me, but for some reason in this moment right now with circumstances I can't even wrap my mind around, God has chosen to take all this stuff away from me. And then he caps it off and he says, praise be to the Lord. You just took it all away? And he says, praise be to the Lord. What we didn't read was right before this. It says that Job tore his robe, he shaves his head, he falls down onto the ground, and Scripture says that he worshipped in that space. He worshipped there after everything's been taken away from him. And my bet is that every word that came through his mouth was full of salty tears, tears that he could taste. I'm guessing that there was, there was just a snot running all over his face, and he's trying to wipe this stuff away, and his heart is wrecked. I'm guessing there wasn't anything in him that felt like worshiping in that moment. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing he didn't feel like it in the moment. But worship for him had to have come through a, a cry. What, what do you do when it feels like everything's been taken away from you? What, what do you do when, when the worship that you can bring, it, it comes through blotched eyes and it comes through heartache and it comes through pain, when it doesn't feel like an opportunity for you to worship? I mean, we could probably throw out a lot of different things, but for me, I I just thought, man, we've got to remember that God is faithful through the ages, that he has been faithful throughout all of our days, that he never changes, that his mercies are new every morning, that that he's close to the brokenhearted, right? Scripture says that he's close to the brokenhearted and he's near to those who are crushed in spirit. And so that the thing that you're going through, the circumstances you're walking through, that thing that says, man, I don't feel like worshiping right now, Scripture says he's close to you. He's not far He's, he's near you. He's walking through that with you in, in the moment. And Scripture also tells us that, that God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he a son of man that he should change his mind. And so there's nothing in him that says, hey, I love you, and then he's going to take it away. Hey, I'm with you, and I'm going to take it away. When I'm in the highs, he's with me. When I'm in the lows, he's with me. Hebrews chapter 6 says that God doesn't lie. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. 
It leads us through the uncertain into God's inner sanctuary. Or I'm sorry, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, the curtain that Jesus himself tore down. Verse 20, Jesus has already gone in there for us. He's become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. You know what this means? I mean, it means a lot of things. But you know what it means for us in, in this context? It means that when God sets his face towards you, although the circumstances may not be what you would like, the circumstances may be difficult, although the circumstances are really, really hard trudging for you right now, he is bent on loving you and carrying you through it all. When he says he sets his face towards you, he's not going to turn it away. He is faithful in the fog and the dreariness of the day. He is faithful in the fog and the dreariness of the night that you might be walking through. Scripture reminds us that he is faithful. Faithful so much that he sent his son Jesus to break through the curtain so that he could secure your eternity. But not only has he secured your eternity, but he's also secured your now. He has secured your present day. And so he's already secured your future, and he's promised that he's going to carry you through your present day. He's going to carry you through your now. And so as the psalmist says in Psalm 91, it's good to give thanks. It's good to sing praises to his name. It's good, even if the brokenness comes through tears. The reality is that none of it, not one single tear, is going to get wasted. Years ago when we, uh, we lost our home, um, we very literally, we lost everything. But we didn't lose each other. We didn't lose our, our family. There were people in our community that rallied around us, family rallied around us, friends rallied around us, strangers that we had never met before in our life. They came and they rallied around us and they loved on us in ways that were just unimaginable to us at the time. And we saw the grace of God through the faces of friends, family, and strangers in, in, in that moment. And the people who came to donate things and to sit with us and to just cry with us. And there, there were tears, but God brought us hope, and he reminded us that he's not just with us in the future, but he's with us right now as well. And so I, I don't know, like, if this is a Thanksgiving where you just sing and you praise and it just feels natural for you. Um, often holidays are really difficult for people who have lost somebody, people who are going through rough circumstances. Um, you know, Thanksgiving and, and Christmas that's getting ready to come. These aren't um, moments for, for some to just throw out blankets of praise. These are really, really difficult days. Um, and, and so if um, you're in a place in your, your walk right now um, where just everything feels like roses and, and, and everything is good, praise God. Give him thanks for that. Um, but if you're in a season where it just feels really difficult to, with the things that you're walking through, don't discard God in the middle of this. This is actually a time to press in and remember um, to allow your theology to catch up to you, to say, yes, this is difficult, but God is here with me in the middle of this. I'm not walking through this alone. He's been faithful throughout all the ages, and he's not going to stop being faithful in the middle of my circumstance right now. He's going to continue to be faithful, not because I've done anything right or I've done anything wrong. It's because he said he's going to be faithful, and that's his character. That's who he is. He's going to continue to be who he is in my now and in my eternity. And so if, if Thanksgiving is really hard, I, I, this kind of sounds like a downer talk, <laughs> Uh, but I, I want it to be an encouraging time as well, that, that you're not walking through this alone. Would you pray with me? Father, I want to say thank you uh, for this, this quick talk that we get to have um, before we sit around tables and we give thanks and we eat together and 
um, we reminisce about how good you are, and we just share and we laugh and we eat together as a family. Uh, thanks for this, the, the short window of time uh, that we had. Uh, I want to pray that you would remind us that you're not just in eternity, but you're in now as well. You secured that with Jesus. Um, you secured that uh, forever. I mean, that's just who you are, uh, and we're thankful for that. Uh, so encourage us with your word, encourage us where we are, and allow us, if we can give praise with a shout, let's do it. But if our praise has to come through tight lips um, that are just uh, drenched with tears, I pray that we would still praise. And we're going to ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.